The lesson today is people are restored. And we find this in the background passage of John chapter 21. Um, So I want to start by laying a picture of the 11 disciples that are waiting on Jesus. They were back in Galilee, and though Jesus had revealed himself, they were not exactly sure what the next step would look like, let alone what the rest of their lives would be like. What did the resurrection mean? How would it change them? Before Jesus could lay out the plan for taking his gospel to the ends of the earth, first he had some relationships to restore. Now, Jesus had appeared to disciples twice in Jerusalem, a week apart. But that wouldn't be the only place he would come to them as the resurrected Lord. Jesus had left instruction for the disciples with the women who had come to his tomb to go to Galilee. They would see Jesus there. Now, Galilee had been home base throughout most of Jesus' earthly ministry. So it probably felt like going home for them. We can only imagine them wondering what was coming next and then waiting for Jesus' next appearance. Now reading from John chapter 21 verses 1 through 6. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter or Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out on and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Now the Sea of Tiberias is also known as Lake, the Lake of Tiberias. Lake of Genesaret or Sea of Chinnereth, but most commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. It was a major resource for the fishing industry in Jesus' time. A few of the disciples were together at the Sea of Tiberias, and in such a time of confusion and uncertainty, the impulsive Peter needed to do something or anything, but his friends weren't going to let him do it alone. They told him, We're coming with you. They knew that he would need their support. We know from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 that Peter, Andrew, James, and John had been professional fishermen before Jesus called them to follow him and fish for men. We can only imagine that a night of work with nothing to show for it is very frustrating. Much debate really exists between Bible scholars as to whether these men were acting in obedience or not not by going fishing. Some commentators think that they were going back to their pre-Jesus lives, becoming again who they once were. 
Others say they were simply waiting, doing something comfortable as they passed the time is not to be idle. In the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, revealing himself, though the disciples didn't know it was him. They may not have recognized Jesus because there wasn't enough light, or perhaps they were too far away, or perhaps they weren't expecting him to be there. So they simply assumed that it might be someone else. Knowing that the disciples didn't catch any fish, Jesus simply told them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. It doesn't take a fisherman to understand that Jesus' instructions would have seemed silly. What difference would it make to cast on the right side? As mature believers in Jesus, no, it makes all the difference in the world that when Jesus speaks and instructs, we need to obey. In the disciples' obedience, their catch was abundant and full. The disciples obeyed, but we know Peter's reputation, his temperament, and as well as his past mistakes. We, so we must turn our attention to the shore. Now, reading from John 21, verses 7 through 11. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish lying on it, and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish. Of, of them, even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Now, the dis John described himself as the disciple that loved that Jesus loved in his gospel. Some reasons for this may have been to identify himself as the apostle, as well as to emphasize that he understood his ultimate identity as one being loved by Christ. Now, Peter had taken off his outer garment for fishing, as the tunic alone would have made movement much easier. But many struggle to explain Peter's reasoning for putting on his outer garment upon seeing Christ. Now, some suggest to explain Peter's reasoning for putting on this outer garment was he was simply making himself appropriately attired, as no one would appear in public wearing only a tunic. Some suggest he donned it to cover spiritual nakedness when facing Christ. What we do know is this. In the midst of the great catch of fish, Peter stopped fishing and actually went toward Jesus. Now, the words charcoal fire appear only twice in the New Testament. Here and then again in John chapter 18, verse 18, where Peter denied Jesus three times. Though charcoal fires were common, we can only imagine that the sight and smell brought back that very vivid memory to Peter. 
Notice that Jesus already had a meal waiting. He already had fish and bread, even as the disciples were hauling in fish. He helped the disciples catch fish, not for himself, but for them to simply understand who he actually was. Now, commentary writers have attempted to explain the significance of the number 153. What we take away, though, is simply that it was just a large enough haul of fish that was worthy of counting. And even though it was large, with Jesus' power and authority, the net was not torn. Now reading from John chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Though John and Peter, though though John recognized Jesus and Peter jumped out of the boat, we can't forget the others who were there with them. They all enjoyed a meal with Jesus. Over the past two lessons, we've seen Jesus appear to his followers, inviting them to see his wounds and to touch him because of their doubts. That experience of unbelief wasn't really necessary here. They all recognized who he was as he invited them to have breakfast with him. Now note that Thomas was among this group. After being chastised by Jesus for his lack of belief, we don't get a word from him in this situation. Jesus shared bread and fish with his disciples. Sharing meals with others in Jesus' times as it is in ours was really a sign of solidarity, unity, and fellowship. Jesus and the disciples were actually enjoying each other's company. How compassionate of Jesus to feed Peter before starting a very difficult conversation with him. We see his compassion and friendship with impulsive with the impulsive man who had been a leader among the disciples and would become a leader of the early church. Now, reading from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told them. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Now in the Bible, God referred to Israel as sheep. Then extended that symbol to all his people. Sheep aren't the smartest animals. They're helpless. They wander often and have herd mentality. They need a master 
and leader to follow because of their inability to take care of themselves and stay on the right path. We as sheep need Jesus as our shepherds and trustworthy pastors and leaders to shepherd us as well. Now in verses 15 to 17, we can see a significant conversation between Jesus and Peter. Just as the disciples had denied him three times, just as the disciple Peter had denied him three times, so he would have three times to state his love for Jesus. Through this, Jesus was restoring Peter. Several interpretations have been given for Jesus' question in verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? One, number one, do you love me more than these fish or more than your past life of being a fisherman? Number two, do you love me more than you love these friends? And number three, do you love me more than these men love me? Whichever way you interpret it, the main point is that Jesus was giving Peter an opportunity for restoration. Now, throughout this passage, Jesus and Peter used both agape and phileo as Greek words for love. But remember, they weren't speaking Greek. They were speaking Aramaic. This conversation was written in Greek. Analysis doesn't lead to any firm conclusion that Peter didn't love Jesus as Jesus was asking. Jesus instructed Peter to feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, and feed my sheep. Some commentators make a distinction between lamb and sheep, alluding to the different maturity levels of Christ followers. Peter was called to both feed and shepherd all of them. This would include ministering, sharing the word, and speaking boldly about Christ. Now reading from John chapter 21 verses 18 and 19. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Jesus' words to Peter indicated that his faith would lead to death at the hands of others. Now, from Acts chapters 1 through 12, even knowing he would die for the sake of Christ, Peter did not back down from speaking and doing according to the gospel. The bold-spoken Peter became a devoted leader and example for the early church. According to tradition, Peter was crucified for his faith, requested to be so upside down, as he did not deserve to die, as Jesus had. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus restores the relationship between God and all who believe in him. Because Christ has restored our relationship with God, we seek to live as God's agents of reconciliation. And we point others to how they too can be made right with God through Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just lift up those who are sick and hurting today. 
and just pray that you would comfort them and and wrap your loving arms of care and grace around them and surround them with your grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray for everyone that listens to this lesson today that you would just embolden, embolden them to just share the gospel with others around them. There are sick and dying, hurting people all around us that need your love, Jesus, and we need to share it with them. Lord, I pray that you'd send the Holy Spirit to just be with us this week. For it's in your precious name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen.